just want to say hello to our online crowd. Hopefully y'all can hear me. Um, I am outside in front of 5919 Merrill Road where we are going to be um, housing our church. Uh, renovations are underway. Um, however, they're not done. But we wanted to, since we know we're going to be in here in the months upcoming, wanted to do something really nice for the community and wanted to do a tailgate Sunday. Uh, as you can see, the weather has not necessarily cooperated, but we're still here. And I'm getting ready to go into the Word. And so I'm going to be coming from the microphone, and hopefully you'll be able to hear me well as well. Here we go. <laughs> if y'all are there, can y'all say something? Can y'all engage in the chat? Um, I know it's different than normal. This is not how we normally do the service, but we're very excited to be here. I'm <laughs> seeing and reuniting with some of the family members in the flesh uh, for the first time in a little while. And so we're going to get right into this. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, happy Sunday. Welcome to Higher Definition Church Outdoors. <laughs> we got horns honking out here. Hallelujah. Thank you to those of you that are tuning in that are not local to Jacksonville and even those of you that are that just didn't want to uh, brave the weather. Can y'all hear me clearly online? Say amen. I can actually see your comments when you say something. So good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into the word. Uh, my name is Pastor Ernest Allman. Uh, we at Higher Definition Church. We exist to reach people and raise them up for life in Christ. And that is that life in higher definition. We believe that that life in higher definition comes in four parts. That is come, connect, serve, share. We come together on Sundays, which, uh, which we're doing right now. We connect in real life, uh, which is a blessing to do. We serve our community. We love our community. We serve our community. And we share the good news. We use our social media. We use our testimony. We use our efforts and our creativity to share the blessings the truth of who the Lord is. And so I want to thank you. I see you, Sherry. I see you, wife. I see you, Daikisha. I'm so glad that y'all are here with us and anybody else is coming on. We're so glad that you're here. So glad we heard horns honking. We got people. Y'all can still pull out your chairs if y'all are going to be out. Like if you're going to be out of your car, go ahead and pull out your chair. Don't need to stand up for the message. I've got, um, but we is drizzling. So I said, hey, you can stay in your car if you want to. And so here we are, Higher Definition Church, first Sunday in February. God made it a way so that we could make it through the month of January. We have been well. God has been blessing us, and I am glad to be here today. I'm so glad for our partners over at the Funnel Cake Spot um, that are, have agreed to provide food and refreshments. And so even if you are, if you're local and you're not able to make it to the service physically, we, they'll be open until one just for us with food that is free to you. And so just know that there's um, hot dogs, there's um, popcorn and nachos and funnel cake fries. And so feel free to make your way over here in between 12 and 1 to have some refreshments on us. It's our pleasure. And so what we're going to do, uh, I just want to thank those of you that are here streaming. I want to thank those of you that are here in person um, for this opportunity that we have to share the gospel. This opportunity we have to share the word. That's one. I want to thank those of you that showed up here early in the cold, in the rain, to help set up so that we have uh, 
this setup so that we're able to do this program. And not only that you show up here, but you um, showed up here today, but you show up time and time again, whether it's for the elementary school, whether it's um, wherever it is, you are a blessing to the family. And so beyond that, I want to continue. I want to thank those of you that are givers. Um, this is the building right behind us. Um, this is the, the part, this is 5919 Merrill Road, where all the money that we've been donating for the build fund has been going to renovate and change and shift and shape. And I'm so glad to say that we're just, we're, we're closer now than we've ever been. It's taking longer than we thought it would take, but we're almost there. We're getting closer and closer to being able to launch this church and call this place home and have an anchor, a base in the community where we're able to be a blessing um, host programming that will benefit people spiritually, practically, economically. It's going to be a beautiful thing. And so, with all that stuff said, I want to jump right into the Word uh, because my fingers are already cold and the Lord is going to have to heat them up. But I'm going into the Word, and in the Word today, I'm going to be going to the book of... Let me go. I'm going to the book of Romans. No, sorry. I'm wrong. I'm going to the book of 2 Corinthians. I'm going to the book of 2 Corinthians, and I am going to be reading from a passage that may be familiar to you. It's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to work this out. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, verses 16 through 21, verses 16 through 21. Um, just as an aside, if anyone is interested in giving an offering, if you have access to Cash App, you can Cash App us at dollar sign, higher deaf church, dollar sign, higher deaf church. All right. And so I'm reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. If you know anything about the Corinthian church, the Corinthian church is off the hook. They had a lot of challenges from um, idolatry of men to sexual immorality, uh, running rampant through the church so bad that it was like even the pagans ain't as bad as y'all to not understanding doctrine, et cetera, et cetera. They had a lot of issues. And Paul wrote multiple letters after establishing the church there to try to help them get themselves together. And so this is... Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm reading verses 16 through 21, and it reads, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin. For us, so that in him we might become 
the righteousness of God. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I am going to be starting a new series today. I'm going to be preaching a message from this text, and it is called Reset. It's called Reset. I'm good. I'll just be cold. <laughs> thank you, though. Uh, and so, here we go. Lord God, I want to thank you. I want to praise you. Thank you for bringing us together this Sunday morning. Thank you for those faithful soldiers that are um, here in person, in the cold, in their cars, um, standing outside in their chairs, uh, braving the weather so that we can hear the word from you, Lord. Thank you for the fact that we're standing in the place of promise. Thank you that we're standing at the end of our consecration. Thank you for every person that fasted with us, that prayed with us, that showed up on prayer calls, that was praying behind the scenes, that was getting themselves ready, Lord, for what you have to do through us as a church, with us as a church, with us as individuals. Lord, I pray your fresh anointing fall down, not like the rain, Lord, hold off the rain. We want the, your fresh anointing to fall down on us. Bless us in this moment so we can receive from you that, that which has been promised, that Holy Spirit is dedicated to delivering a clarity and a revelation that is transforming in our lives, helping us better understand who we are, God's higher definition. In Jesus' name, we bless you and pray. Amen. In the chat, say amen. All right. So give me a second. I don't have a table, so I'm trying to get all my, my, my stuff situated. Just getting my notes out. All right, here we go. So, I, I don't know about you, but I was raised in old school church. Old school church is a unique and special animal. Old school church would have you scared to death. Old school church was not necessarily about freedom and joy. I mean, I, the elders had Jesus joy, but at the same time, they were... They wanted to instill the fear of God in us. Amen? And so when I, I heard that amen, I heard the amen from the car. And so when, we, when I reach back into my mind decades ago when I was a child and I think about what God did, who God was, and who, he, who I was taught that he was, I was taught not to just fear reverently the Lord. I was taught to be scared because God was coming to get me. Amen? He was going to catch you with your work, son, done. When you was in the club, he was going to show up right then. The rapture was going to happen when you was in the bed with the wrong person. He was coming to get you. He was out to get you. He wanted you, and he was trying to send you to hell. That was the way many of us were taught and scared into believing when we were younger. Amen? I, it wasn't... It wasn't balanced. It wasn't favorable. It wasn't necessarily faithful to the gospel. We were taught to believe in a God that held grudges against us. A God that held grudges. A God that was mad at you. A God that just couldn't wait for you to mess up so he could give you what you deserve. That's the God that so many of us were introduced to as young people is a God that was out to get us. And so you better act right because if not, he was going to strike you down. That's the God. That's that God. And so we were taught about a God who held grudges. And you know what? It may sound crazy, 
But it actually makes sense to many of us that God would be somebody to hold grudges because so many of us hold grudges. So many of us are people that uh, don't let others go. I mean, I understand that people done done us wrong. You done been done wrong before, say amen. If, you, if somebody has done you wrong, and I see your hand, hallelujah. If somebody has done you wrong, they treated you a way you didn't deserve, they betrayed you, they, they didn't give you justice. They didn't treat you with honor. I understand, and I respect that, and I recognize that for many of us, it's not that easy to forgive. It's not that easy to forgive. We, what do we do? Well, we hold them hostage. Not in real life, not in real life, but we hold them hostage in our thoughts. We hold them hostage in our memories. We always look at them a certain way. It doesn't matter what change might come a month, a month later, a, a week later, two months later, a year later, there's some people that we have held hostage with grudges for months, weeks, years, and in some cases, decades, if we're being honest. Um, they hurt you as a child and you never let it go. They, they betrayed the trust that you had, they ne you never let it go. And so it's not hard for us to believe that God holds grudges because we hold grudges. It's not hard for us. It's not hard for us to imagine a God that is ready to smack people down because so many folks in the old church would see wrong and then be like, Jesus, come now. Not because they wanted to be with Jesus, but because they were ready to see people that were doing wrong smited. Smited a word? Smitten? Now that means like you like something. But, you know, struck. That's what it was. That's what it was. I'm going to just hold this in my hand so y'all going to see me waving my, my tablet around. So some of us are, are natural forgivers. Some of us have soft hearts. Some of us are wonderful like that. Some of you are, you know, you know, y'all, y'all just have the grace of God on your life. And you had it from the beginning. You just don't get angry and, and you don't cuss folks out and not even in your mind. And good job, because you deserve some praise for loving God like that and loving people like that. And so there are some of y'all that had that maturity because just God gave you a special anointing and that grace. There are those of us, though, that had to work to get there. Some of us have trouble letting go. Some of us have difficulty letting go of the grudge, letting go of our anger, letting go of our hurt, letting go of the pain, letting go of the, the wound from the father that wasn't there, or the wound from the father that was distant, or the wound from the mother that was what you did was never good enough, the wound from the sibling that left you alone, the wound from the person that's promised you everything and broke up with you, the wound from the friend that said they would hold your trust and confidence and then share the thing that you held as a secret. There are wounds that many of us deal with and it's hard for us to let go. Can I get an amen? hard for us to let go. And so a lot of times it's easy for us to think about God, right? And think about us and think about how messed up and nasty people are. And it's easy for us to understand why God has wrath. We think of God as this wrathful, vengeful God. And absolutely God does have wrath and absolutely God does judge and he judges guilty. Um, the challenge, I think, though, is in the way that we perceive it, in the way that we walk our spiritual lives out in relation to that truth, 
that God does have wrath. Well, what do we understand about God's wrath? What do we understand about who he is and, and how that wrath has been poured out? Because if I can be honest, there have been times and there have been decades and there have been weeks and months where I have struggled under the mighty thumb of my impression of God's wrath. What I thought about it. Not necessarily what the whole revelation of the Bible says about it, but what I thought about it. And so I thought that God was unhappy with me. I thought God was mad at me. I thought God was being distant from me because that's the kind of way I experienced life in the past. And what I did was I was assigning the values of man to God. Anybody made that mistake before? Given man characteristics to God, instead of us trying to see things God's way from God's perspective, from God's perspective what we would be trying to do is see him through our lens. That's just not healthy. And so, God is righteous. God is holy. Yes, he does pass judgment in eternity. But I think we need to delineate, SAT word, or maybe just, you know, dictionary word. But I think we need to delineate how God is revealed. Because I think that's clear, the, the, the thing. How God is revealed in the Old Testament versus how God is revealed in the New Testament. And a lot of us, because we, you know, we don't dig into our word, we don't study the Bible, we don't sit under teaching, what happens is we're not able to um, get a full understanding, okay? And so in the Old Testament, we do see God pass judgment, we see God get upset, we see angels destroy cities, we see um, Israel rebel again and again and again after they've said, yeah, God, we're going to serve you. We're going to love you. We're going to do everything we can to obey you. And then they go right back to worshiping false idols and other spiritual beings, lesser spiritual beings. And then God will judge Israel. Right. In fact, all of the prophets are about um, are wrestling with God's judgment on Israel, him taking his hand of protection off of them and allowing them to be defeated and Promising that if they didn't get right, then these things would come. But I think it's clear if you read the whole, a whole prophetic book, it's not just about warning. It's also about restoration. It's not just about penalty and punishment. It's almost it's also about promise. You can look at Isaiah. This I love this because it's like 66 um, chapters of Isaiah, 66 books of the Bible. And if you look at the first like 40 chapters of um, Isaiah, almost 39, 40, then you're dealing with the condemnation of Israel and its sin. But once you get to 40, and even a little bit before that, but going forward, you see a lot of the promise of God to restore them in the future and bless them in the future, um, in the near future and in the far future, and eventually with the Messiah that will claim ultimate victory over it all. And I think that's where we lose our understanding. Because we look at ourselves with condemnation. We look at ourselves and we focus on the shortcomings. We look at ourselves and we focus on the issues we have and the mistakes that we've made. We don't focus on the God of the promise. We don't focus on the God of the restoration. We don't focus on the God of the better tomorrow. We are allowing the enemy's report to limit our understanding to the old covenant. When there's clearly a new covenant, 
Yes, God passed judgment on Israel back in the day. Yes, he allowed them to be defeated and conquered. Yes, he allowed them to be enslaved, but he had a plan to bring them back, both in the near future and in the far future. And so if you look just at the Old Testament, then yeah, of course it makes sense to be scared of God. But if you look at the New Testament, then what you'll know is that God's entire wrath was poured out. His entire wrath was poured out. It was all poured out. It was all poured out. And so God's wrath, it was poured out on his only son. It was poured out on Jesus. God's anger, God's wrath was poured out on his son, Jesus Christ. It says so in Romans, I believe, 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In fact, it's that, that's how God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, while we were still rejecting God's truth, while we were still in a state of deprivation, while we were still committed to rebellion, while we were still people that had no desire to be submitted to the Lord, while we were in that state, while we were anti-God, anti-Christ, against him, that is when, that is when Christ died for us, both in the current in the now and in eternity. So Christ died for us. What does that mean? Well, when it comes to this idea of wrath and it comes to this idea of penalty and judgment and all of that, I want us to all understand wherever you are, whatever you did this morning, wherever you did last week, whatever areas you're holding yourself guilty, where you're holding yourself guilty, where you are holding yourself hostage by a guilty verdict that wasn't given to you by God, but was given to you by yourself. What I'm saying is that we have to understand that God, through Christ, has reset our relationship. Christ resets our relationship. The Lord resets our relationship through the sacrifice of the Son. And so it doesn't matter how messed up your old was, okay? It doesn't matter. I mean, old could have been five seconds ago. It doesn't matter how messed up your old was. It doesn't matter how many times you were in the bed with the wrong person. It doesn't matter how many times you spent your money foolishly. It doesn't matter how many times you cheated to get ahead. It doesn't matter who you were. It doesn't matter who you were. In God's eyes, wrath, his judgment was poured out on Christ, on the cross. Why else would Jesus look up to the heavens from the cross and say, Father, why have you forsaken me? Well, why did he say that? It was because in that moment, Jesus recognized that God looked at him and saw the sin of the world. He didn't see Jesus his loving son. He didn't see Jesus who he had been in eternity with. He didn't see Jesus as he would be in that moment. Jesus was the sins of the world. He was your sin. He was my sin. He was the sins of my children. He was the sins of my fathers. In that moment when Jesus died on the cross, an innocent man, he became guilty so that his death could be the payment for our penalty. Think about it. Y'all, we, we've seen so many times wrongful convictions, people going to prison when somebody else did the crime, right? We've seen it happen. What 
would it mean for somebody to recognize, now I'm innocent. No, I'm not the one. But you know what? I'm going to serve the sentence though. And I'm going to do it praising God. I'm going to do it knowing that God is with me. I'm going to do it knowing that it's going to be a blessing to you. And all I'm asking, all I'm hoping you do is that you take this opportunity to reset your life. Reset your life. I've taken the punishment, the life sentence, the lethal injection, the electric chair, the firing squad. He took it for us. He took it for us. So that our relationship could be reset. So our fear of the Lord is of honor and a reverence and a looking at how awesome he is. Not a I'm scared that he's going to get me. Because he got his son Jesus. He got his son Jesus. In Christ, the word teaches, the, this passage I read, it says, in Christ. It says even we used to regard Christ in the flesh as a regular human, but not anymore. In Christ, the old has passed away. You are a new creation. The new has come. You are, like Jesus said, born again. Doesn't matter what your first birth was, you are born again. Brand new in the eyes of the Lord. Born again. Just say it to yourself. Born again. Say it until you understand that you had a first birth and then the physical being is alive. But the spiritual being was still dead. And when Christ died for you, it gave an opportunity for the spirit man in you to be born again and your soul to be saved and you've been born again born again. I'm, I'm brand new. I'm born again. I'm squeaky clean. I'm born again. I'm not guilty. I'm born again. I've got a reset on my relationship. God's not mad at me. He's not out to get me. In fact, what the word teaches is that he wants to reconcile with me. He wants to reconcile with me. The word teaches that he sent Christ so that we can be reconciled. God is reconciling us to himself through Christ, not counting our sins against us. We count our own sins against us. God is not counting our sins against us. Point of clarification, doesn't mean we got a license to go out and be fools. Doesn't mean we got a license to go out and take advantage of this liberty. Doesn't mean we shouldn't ask forgiveness when we sin. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't repent from the sins that we're embracing and allowing to inhabit our lives now. Simply means that in Christ, the overarching penalty has been paid. It doesn't mean there's not consequences to our actions. So we should still attempt to live righteously. We should still attempt to follow the Lord. But it's not out of a fear that we should follow the Lord. It's out of love. Because what his desire to do is to reconcile with us. To come together. To embrace us. And you know what's special about that? What's special about that? I didn't plan to preach long, and so I'm getting ready to, to I'm start landing the plane. Is that a good analogy? We're going to use that. We're going to land a plane. So when it comes down to it, not only did God reset the relationship through Christ, he tasked his people with being the living embodiment of that message so that people that believe in Christ, people that walk in Christ, people that walk with Christ, should be people that the rest of the world can look at and see 
the reality, the realness of what that relationship looks like, what that relationship means for you, and what that relationship means for them. So we got to get free so we can be ambassadors of Christ. We got to get free so we can be people that are carrying the message of the resurrection of Christ, carrying the message of the forgiveness of God. We got to get free. We got to get free. God is reconciling the world back to him through Christ. He's ready to reconcile. And he's committed that message to his ambassadors. Who are his ambassadors? Well, that's us. If you're a believer, that's you. That's me. It's not any, any special person that has a special title. It's not apostle. It's not prophet. It's not evangelist. It's not their job. It's everybody. In 2 Peter or 1 Peter chapter 2, he says that we were not a nation. Now we're a nation. We're a holy, a chosen generation, a holy nation, a people that were not once the people. But through Christ, we are a people, a people committed with the awesome, wonderful responsibility to be light in the world. To be the light of Christ, to be the light of God, to show that thing off. So. We, as believers, we as High Definition Church, local and abroad, far away, we're committed to living out this message. Well, how? How are we going to live out this message, y'all? It's fairly simple. I say it every week. That we exist to reach people and raise them up for life in Christ. That's that life in High Definition. We exist to reach people and raise them up for life in Christ. That means in my individual life and in our life as a church, we are striving to reach people and raise them up for life in Christ. So how will we as a church, we're talking vision now, how will we as a church reach people? Well, it comes in two parts that I also already talked about. First, we serve. You can't reach people without serving. In fact, Jesus, when having a conversation with his disciples, who were like, who's going to be the greatest? Which one of us is the man? Jesus told them, the greatest among you will be the one who serves. And then he demonstrated it because when they went for the Passover meal, the Last Supper, he took the servants' robes, got on his knees, and washed their feet. And so when we're talking about our strategy, when we're talking about what we're trying to do and who we're trying to be and what our goal is in how we're going to reach people, we're going to reach people by serving. We are going to serve the Arlington community. We're going to use this building right here to serve the community, to be a blessing to the community. We're going to serve the people. We're going to take our energy and our time and we're going to go and we're going to serve at Parkwood Heights Elementary School. We're going to serve with Revitalize Arlington. We're going to serve with the Climate Initiative. We're going to serve. We are going to pour our lives out for the benefit of others. We're not just, just going to serve, though. We're going to share. We're going to utilize our media, our technology, our social media, our gifts, our creativity, whether we sing, we rap, we dance, we write, we take pictures. We're going to use that. We're going to use that to share this message of reconciliation that God's not mad at you. God's not holding your sin against you. God wants to reconcile with you. We're going to use those gifts. We're going to use those talents. We, I'm talking about we, I'm talking about you and me, and we, we're going to come together and do that. 
So we're going to serve and we're going to share. And that's how we're going to reach people. Well, how are we going to raise them up for life in Christ? How we're going to raise them up for life in Christ is we're going to come together on Sundays for services. We're going to come together. Obviously, the weather didn't cooperate with what we wanted to do today, but that's okay. We here. And, and we know the Lord, and we love the Lord, and we serve the Lord, and we want to walk with the Lord. Because we're not trying to do a work for the Lord. We're trying to have the Lord do a work with us. Since he says, Jesus says, he'll never leave us or forsake us. That means he's with you on your job, giving you the power to be the light on your job. He's in your house, giving you the power to be the light in your house. He's with us. The anointing is with us. The blessing is with us. The power is with us. Okay? So, how we're going to raise up each other for life in Christ is that anyone who comes to us from us serving them or sharing with them, we're going to come together weekly to worship. We're going to come together weekly for the word. And, and that's going to happen right here in this building. Once it's done, that's what we're going to be. We're going to congregate at 5919 Merrill Road for services. We're going to congregate for Bible studies, both here and online. We're going to do that for prayer here and online. We're going to come together. But it's not just about coming together. If you look at the original church in Acts chapter 2, there was connection. We're going to connect. We're going to connect in real life. That means we have to do the work to know each other and labor together and, and build each other up so that we can bear each other's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. When Jesus teaches what the greatest commandment is, he says, love the Lord your God, okay? And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you love you, you got to take care of you. And you can't take care of you alone. You can't take care of yourself emotionally alone. You can't take care of yourself spiritually alone. You can't take care of yourself at all alone. You need community. You need to submit. We need to submit to each other in community. Allow each other to be a blessing to each other. Allow each other to help each other with that problems. I know you've been hurt in the past. I know people have betrayed your trust in the past. But can I tell you something? Being close makes you vulnerable, and that makes us like Jesus. Who was it that delivered Jesus into the, the Israelite authorities? Who was it that delivered Jesus to the cross? It was somebody who was intimately close to him, Judas. But he delivered him into his purpose and his promise. Who was it that, I'm talking to people that know the Bible now, who was it that delivered Joseph into slavery? Who was it that delivered Joseph away from the family and sent him away? It was his brothers. They sought to kill him. They delivered him into slavery. And God's purpose still prevailed in his life and reconciled them. And so if you're afraid of getting close to people because of what happened in the past, I'm here to tell you that just like what Joseph said, it's like you meant it for harm, but God means it for good for the saving of many lives. What has happened to me, what has happened to you, those aren't scars that are going to cripple you. Those are lessons that are going to bless you. And we are going to be able to connect in real healthy community, healthy life, and be a blessing to others from the wellspring of love stored in us. 
I'm not asking you to pour yourself out if I didn't trust that there was a God that was going to fill you back up. I'm not asking you to give to the church if I didn't know that God was going to give back to you more than you could imagine. I, didn't, I, I wouldn't ask you to lay down your life if I didn't know that God had abundant life for you and eternal life for you. I wouldn't ask if I didn't trust that God is who he says he is. And so here we are. 5919 Merrill Road, February 6th. Looking into the future, a couple of months from now, we're believing we're going to be launching and occupying this space. And that we are going to be ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors for Christ, ambassadors with Christ, carrying forth the message of reconciliation. What's that message of reconciliation? I know that you thought you were losing the game of life. I know that you thought that it was messed up. I know that you thought it was buggy. I know that you thought that you were wrong and that God couldn't even look at you and didn't even want to be around you. But what I'm here to tell you is that God is carrying through us to you the message that your relationship has been reset. Your relationship has been reset. You were losing. The game It started brand new. It started over. You've got all the powers. You've got all the abilities. You've got all the grace because you've got God. And so this is how I'm going to close, y'all. I am going to close in prayer. And I'm just going to ask you to be praying. We, we just finished a week of praying every day. Um, leading up to the end of this fast, which means we've got to eat some junk food. Um, but also it means that we're ready to see some things happen in the real world that we prayed about in the past. And so I just want you to agree with me in prayer. If you're somebody that needs to embrace the reset, embrace it, okay? If you're somebody that needs to embrace the reset, it's already been done. The work is finished. But if you're somebody needs to embrace the reset, whether you're talking about, I need to be saved today, or whether you're talking about, I need to let go of the shackles that I've chained my life down with by holding a grudge against myself or holding a grudge against others when God has placed forgiveness and reconciliation into my life. This prayer is that we would all embrace the reset and that God show his favor on this relaunch. So let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you and praise you for this time, this day, this opportunity we had to come together and worship in person, Lord. Lord, the weather's not perfect, but you are. My speaking is not perfect, Lord, but you are. The way that I preach and teach, it's not perfect, but Lord, Holy Spirit is working in the midst to be a blessing, to give favor, so that your love is felt in this moment, Lord. I pray right now your blessing over every single person that came out today, over every single person that's viewing today, over every person that's going to hear this as they listen to the podcast or, or anything else, Lord, I'm praying that we would embrace the reset, that we would accept the truth that Christ died for our sins. He paid the penalty 
And so we shouldn't be living in fear. We should be living in love. Living in love, reciprocating the love that was poured out on us by you. Living in love that you have adopted us as your children. Living in love that you have created us as co-heirs in Christ. That we are the seed of Abraham. That we are heirs to the promise. That we have power for now and power for later. A promise for now and a promise for later. And Lord, that you've equipped us and will walk with us to fulfill the purpose that you have for our lives. Help us hit the reset button so that we will accept the truth of who you are. In Jesus' name, we bless you and pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Now y'all gonna wake up neighbors that stayed in late. Y'all need to lead them along. <laughs> so what we're gonna do is we're gonna close out the service. I wanna thank everybody that is tuned in. We're getting ready to close out. Um, and we're going to take it over here. Let's get some refreshments, enjoy some funnel, well, not funnel cake, but some popcorn, some hot dogs, some things of that nature. Let's hug, embrace us, enjoy each other's company. God bless you for coming, and let's uh, do this again soon. I'll be shooting updates to everybody about what's coming down the pipeline. We're building a launch team. I'll say this. We're building a launch team to help us launch this church. What does that mean? We're looking for people that will help us serve, that'll show up early to service, that will um, help us set up things when we're serving, um, that'll serve during the service, that'll help us by giving your talents and your time um, to helping make when we launch the biggest, best launch we can possibly have um, so that we can have a, a just momentum when we come out the gate. And so if you're interested and being a part of the launch team, if you're interested in helping out or even just finding out a little bit more about it, please shoot us a direct message um, or uh, yeah, send us a direct message on our Facebook page and we will reach out to you and we'll let you know. I, I've got it in writing exactly what we're asking for from anyone that's going to be a part of the launch team. Uh, and so we'll do that. If you send us a message, I'll send a video message back to you, thanking you and letting you know, as well as a document that will show you what we're up to in the future. All right, y'all. Love you. Bless you.